The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. 2.33 on the 6.30 Chad Afternoon News. We're hearing more and more reports of dogs getting very sick after ingesting discarded joints. In fact, Global Edmonton Sarah Krause talked with two pet owners after a big scare. Three-month-old Dougie will eat just about anything. But when he came home from a walk and started swaying, repeatedly falling over... His owner knew something was wrong. We rushed him to the hospital. Uh, quite honestly, he was barely breathing. Anne Hayes thought Dougie had been poisoned, and he had, kind of. The vet believed the 25-pound puppy ingested marijuana. You're worried. It's a little three-month-old puppy that you've become really attached to, and you're, you're helpless to do anything. Dougie was pumped with fluids to flush him out and spent a full day at the vet, costing Hayes $500. But he made a full recovery. Mickey Wilson had the same problem with his 10-year-old corgi, Ringo. His back legs got wobbly and they weren't supporting him and he became less and less responsive So I and they started having spasms. Rushed to the vet, Ringo threw up. In his vomit, the vet found the end of a joint. He had gotten in a roach and it's very concentrated resin and he was having neurological issues as well as he was high as a kite. These owners hope marijuana users keep their joints away from man's best friend. I think you just have to really be aware of where you're tossing your litter um, and, and especially in an area where dogs are going to be, which pretty much is anywhere. People need to know that this is harmful to animals and it's not just domestic animals, our pets, but there's squirrels in the park and there's uh, you know wild animals and if they pick up this stuff, it's harmful. I imagine that's true. Joining us to follow up on this story is Dr. Barry Blakely, a veterinarian toxicologist and professor at the Western College of Veterinary Medicine. Uh, Dr. Blakely, thanks for joining us. It's nice to hear you on the line again. Okay, good talking to you. Uh, so let me ask, um, I don't even know where to begin to start with this. Is this a problem just for dogs or is it a problem for all animals? Uh, yeah, well, I, I would say primarily we see it in dogs, but in theory, cats probably will not eat this material. Other animals, uh, in theory, that eat vegetation and could be exposed, uh, we don't necessarily see those. Probably not an issue in birds, but uh, uh, large animals, cattle, and so forth, I don't think they'd get into enough to have a problem. So, so are you seeing more cases like this, Doctor? Are you expecting to see more cases? Uh, well, we, we've had discussions over the last couple of weeks, uh, obviously, with the legalization of marijuana. We are anticipating more cases. Uh, I know down in the U.S. where they've legalized it in a couple of states, uh, the veterinary profession has seen an, an increase in numbers of cases. I don't have numbers on that, but mm. they definitely saw an increase uh, uh, exposure obviously is greater. People have greater access to it, if you want to put it that way. And yeah. also, uh, they're willing to admit the animal was exposed to it as well. Okay. Mm. Now, yeah, not yeah. a legal issue. So that that's kind of changed the story a little bit. So aren't isn't some marijuana more potent than other marijuanas? And do we know exactly what is a toxic level for a dog? Well, the marijuana plants uh, from area to area definitely contain different amounts of the THC, the tetrahydro 
cannibal is the chemical. It's an alcohol type thing. Uh, it does vary from plant to plant, and there are a number of labs, and I'll say in North America, that actually test the potency of the product. So one plant may contain a certain amount, another plant more or less. So it does vary from plant to plant. But um, and your, your other question on that? Oh, and then as far as yeah. how much, I mean, do we know at what level or how much a dog would have to consume for it to be detrimental to the, itself? Uh, the uh, level of the THC, a dog would have to consume three grams per kilogram body weight. Now, if you want to translate that into that, that's the chemical, that's not the plant. Okay. To translate that into the, the plant, and I'll call it the dry plant, a typical dry plant may contain about... 10% THC, the oil products contain maybe 20% or more, and if you want to translate that into, uh, uh, well, how much of that particular material would I have to eat, the dried plant, and I would, I would suggest, again, this depends on the weight of the animal and the concentration within the uh, plant itself or the dried material, maybe 30 grams would mm. be enough to make the dog sick. And again, depending on how big the dog is, say 300 grams or whatever, uh, potentially could be lethal. I'm not sure hmm. they would necessarily get into that amount, but in theory they could. So how are they getting sick from eating a single roach? Joint? Like the, yeah, end of the, roach. the roach then? Well, uh, as I say, it's influenced by a number of factors. And for, just to give you an example, a dog that's eating dog food that's got a high fat content in it, mm -hmm. uh, they will absorb more marijuana from <laughs> that uh, on that diet. They're lipid-soluble chemicals. So there's a number of factors that influence it. The numbers I gave are, I'll call it guidelines. So a single cigarette, if you want to call it, obviously doesn't contain an ounce, but it's probably enough to uh, um, put the dog off a little bit, probably not kill it necessarily. In fact, I doubt it would, but uh, they usually would recover from that. Type of dose. Well, and you know what? The the two dogs in the report that we had just aired, one was a three month old puppy, the other one was a corgi. So both smaller, uh, smaller, smaller dog, dogs. Yeah, yeah so but the dose the, per kilogram would be greater. Yeah, but uh, interesting, you know, to see what had happened to you know the one the one dog. I think it was Ringo, uh, the corgi. Just you know, back end stopped working. It was you know yeah. his owner just said it seemed like he was high as a kite and he was having troubles mm -hmm. breathing, hmm. and they had to rush him um, to the to the hospital or to the to the vet clinic when at first test couldn't figure out what was going on and it wasn't until the dog threw up and they saw the roach in there they thought oh this is what's happened mm -hmm. that's how they found out about it um what what should we be doing with this if we are dog owners and i guess it's just making making sure keeping an eye on, on what your dogs are trying to get into well, dogs, as you know, get into a lot of everything, and, uh, whatever, and if they're out running around, they will easily snap up anything out that's out there, whether it's uh, nutritious or toxic or whatever. But uh, the problem that the veterinarians are going to have with this and the owners is that the symptoms of this are vague and quite variable, and they are also dose and time dependent. And you mentioned the young dog. Mm -hmm. Young dogs don't have the metabolism of an older dog, so again, the dose would be more toxic, a smaller dose. Hmm. And, the, you know, the symptoms are partly neurological. They're depressed. They're ataxic on the hind limb and incoordinated. They may vomit, which leads to dehydration. They'll have tremors, dilated pupils. The body temperature could go up or down, depending on a number of things. They may be weak. They may urinate. Heart hmm. rates go up and down. They're disorientated. They're in a stupor. Their eyes flicker back and forth. They have nystagmus. So 
That fits a number of, uh, I'll say, poisonings or drugs. And so the the real issue for the veterinarian is with these variable signs that are not really specific is, is it marijuana that if I treat them one way, they will be okay? Or maybe there's another drug in there because sometimes these things are mm-hmm. mixtures of things. Or maybe they ate two different things. Uh they need to treat them differently. So the the ability to diagnose these, uh, looking at the dog, is a challenge. You can be suspicious of two or three things, but you know whether they contain fentanyl or opioids or cocaine or ketamine or alcohols. Like, there's a long list of possibilities. And which one do I treat for? Sometimes the treatments are a little different. I would assume you draw blood, though, wouldn't you, just to see what's in the blood? Well, you could. The, the, the trick there is uh, there's not many labs that are equipped to do mm. the testing. Oh, yeah. Uh, for example, the lab that I'm involved with, Prairie Diagnostic Services, we do not have a test for this type of chemical. We are contemplating we probably should set it up. Uh, the other place you can check for it is in the urine, or obviously if the, the dog vomits, you could take the vomitus and analyze that as well, which would be a good way of doing it but uh, that isn't always available and uh, the problem is if you're in Edmonton and the analysis is in Saskatoon that's uh, by the time you get the sample here and whatever the dog is either dead or recovered kind of thing so there's uh, a number of uh, I'll say bureaucratic glitches and and feasibility problems that uh, will hamper the confirmation of the and diagnosis. Uh, the other complication with this is uh, the treatment on these, which most veterinarians will do, will be a non-specific treatment where they'll give activated charcoal, and if mm-hmm. the dog is excited and so forth, the activated charcoal, what it does, it prevents the further absorption. Yeah. And in the case of uh, of marijuana, it actually recirculates in the body, and the activated charcoal reduces the re- the duration in the body. It it could be. Uh, anywhere from a few hours to a few days, depending on the dose and and whatever else. And if the dog has got hallucinations and neurologic signs, well, you want to sedate the dog with uh, diazepam or some type of uh, medication like that to calm it down. And And, and is uh, there long-term effects to this for the dog? uh, Oh, I wouldn't say long-term in terms of... um, uh, permanent disability, like the the ataxia, they'll recover from that. So it doesn't cause, I'll say, permanent nerve damage. But I think some of the uh, data in uh, the human world, where obviously the person is maybe exposed to it for longer periods of time, at a, I'll say a higher dose, if you want to call it that, but there's some subtle suggestions that it leads to dementia and, and long-term problems, but maybe that's not an issue in dogs, but people that live longer, maybe there are some long-term impacts, and a lot of that, I don't know how well it's been looked at. Uh, hmm. Interesting. So it's not as big a concern, in, in, I'll say, in dogs, but if it's a, let's say it's a performance dog, that, uh, a racing dog, or maybe a hunting dog where it needs to perform, uh, well, maybe there should be, could yeah. be some lingering effects. I, I'm not aware of any, but that's possible. Dr. Hmm. Barry Blakely, veterinary toxicologist, professor at the Western College of Veterinary Medicine, joining us on the phone this afternoon. It comes after a couple of reports here in Edmonton of dogs uh, ingesting some roaches, leftover roaches that they'd found on the ground at the park, uh, on the sidewalk. And and the two puppies, uh, one puppy, one older dog, became quite sick from it. So we wanted to call him and find out about uh, about the issues surrounding that. Now, is, is the college looking at this more and more as it moves forward, given that um, legalization is around the corner? 
Uh, yes, uh, we are. And uh, right now we're, we're contemplating whether we should set up diagnostic tests to actually do these tests and do the screenings. And in the screenings, we would, because they could be exposed to any number of drugs or alcohol or whatever, the screen needs to include those materials as well. And uh, there are some medications like antihelmintics, ivermectin that they use in dogs that resembles this. Is it an ivermectin poisoning or is it something else or is it ketamine, drugs of abuse? Mm -hmm. So the screen, which a lot of the hospitals do have that now, but uh, in the veterinary community, uh, maybe not so, uh, but uh, we, we are definitely seriously looking at setting this up. And the testing labs that are available right now, all they test for is marijuana. They can't look at the other possibilities or mixtures that may resemble this. And uh, it's important to treat the dog properly and uh, provide, you know, appropriate advice to the owners depending on the situation. You know, I, I have to ask, uh, given that you're a toxicologist, we're talking about dogs here. We've said other animals not affected. What about children? Oh, yes, yeah. I mean, that I, I can only imagine a child's, you know, constitution, what that would be like if, I mean, they're, they're sometimes like dogs, they put everything in their mouth, right? Well, the kids will definitely eat this, I'm sure, if they're given access, and I, I'm willing to bet there's uh, case reports on that in the literature now. Uh, the issue in the kids, of course, is their brains are still developing. If they're a two-year-old, they'll eat anything, and their brains develop well into life. And you know, Will it cause permanent brain damage or subtle brain damage? I don't know. Hmm. And that's one of the questions I think the uh, people that are doctors and physicians that are involved in this are questioning, and I don't think there's good answers for that. Dr. Blakely, thank you so much for taking the time this afternoon to join us. Appreciate it. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye now. 2.47 on the 6.30 Chad Afternoon News. Veterinary toxicologist at the Western College of Veterinary Medicine. He's also a professor there. Talking about uh, you know, dogs and just, you know, someone throws a butt, throws a, you know. Mm-hmm. It seems like there isn't a whole lot in a, a roach though i mean the conversation's a valid one with regard to plants mm -hmm. in apartments and houses and well it and was dog. a roach that ringo was, yeah. that ringo yeah. got sick on so again it it depends on the dog depends on the dog's constitution yep. how big the dog is all of those mm -hmm. things right so but something to keep an eye on it's like yeah, anything absolutely. whether it's your roach whether it's your cigarette butt whether mm -hmm. it's your pop can put it in a garbage can yeah, and exactly right. And I mean, we'll learn more, I'm sure, and studies will be done once it's legalized. As the doctor mentioned, in states uh, south of us where it's been legalized, uh -huh. they've seen greater cases of uh, dogs ingesting uh, marijuana, you know. So I'm sure we'll... It's just one of the other side just one more problems yeah. that we have to address and do something about. Uh, 2.48, a quick break here. When we come back, we have a response from Talus to the city of Edmonton. Stay with us. text coming in uh, following our conversation with Dr. Uh, Barry Blakely, the veterinary toxicologist out there at the Western College of Veterinary Medicine in Saskatoon, I believe. Um, so, just had this handed to us in response to the city issuing that default 
notice, a notice of default today. Talis has said, quote, it is disappointed by the action taken today by the city, that the activities of Talis and the city are mutually dependent, demanding timely coordination and decision-making, that they remain committed to delivering the next steps of this project for the benefit of Edmontonians and will co- continue to work as we al- always have per our contractual obligations. Mm. That uh, says volumes. That says, nope, we signed the contract for $55 million. We're going to continue to do it. Yeah, do it and get the rest of our money. Um, the mayor, though, pretty much saying enough is enough. Uh, an, uh, a statement has come out from the city of Edmonton, from Mayor Iveson. says, quote, we have a contractor that has consistently let down Edmontonians in meeting their contractual obligations to the city. They have failed to achieve the deadline we set and we cannot continue to wait for a solution that may not arrive. Enough is enough. Council has directed administration to provide Talis with a notice of default under their contract. This is our land line in the sand. There is now a process to be followed under the contract and given that this is a legal process, we cannot get into a lot of public details. This is Mayor Don Iveson. My expectation of Talis is that they take this notice of default very seriously and do everything possible to avoid the next steps in our legal process. It's important to remember that thousands of people use the Metro line every day, and while we go through these next legal legal steps, we will assure the public that the line is safe and will continue to run while we work on fixing the signaling system. Hmm. You know, uh, nah, never mind said enough about this. I'll sit back and pop a bag of popcorn and watch what happens next. It's going to be a legal battle for sure. It doesn't work the way it's supposed to. They have to have flagmen at uh, some intersections because they don't trust the signals. They have to uh, radio each other to make sure, mm. or radio central to make sure that there's no train That's ahead of them. That's not what we signed up for. It isn't at all. I mean, they might as well have just put it on rubber wheels and towed it with a rope. It would... But all right. It needs to get fixed. Uh, I'm not letting this council off the hook, but they're the ones. uh, It might not be their fault, but it is uh, their problem. Have you seen this video? Yeah. This little kid running from uh, third to home in slow motion. Must have been, what do you call it? He had... uh he wasn't there wasn't a hit and he wasn't running in so it was uh could have been i don't forced or whatever it is so he's maybe coming, he's, he's three years old and he's like slow mowing down the line <laughs> yeah it's absolute classic i don't know what you'd even google to find it a boy slow mow boy runs slowly kid. or yeah and then the coach comes in to tries to get him to move a little bit faster and he's like waving him off like no oh, way, man that that kid's about uh 15 to 18 years away from being in the major leagues he knows <laughs> he's a showman that kid and and when the when the parent manager or whatever tries to move him along quickly he's so upset because it's ruining the video does the slow-mo dive into home plate as well it's uh, hilarious yeah what just you- just google slow-mo slow-mo baseball walk slow-mo baseball walk you'll find and it, it comes up very it's funny. so cute the 630 chad afternoon news with Jalen nye and andrew gross weekdays at two on 630 chad